This is episode 88 with Osher Ginsberg. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. This is an episode I've been excited to bring you legends for a while now. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that Osher interviewed me on his podcast earlier this year and we'd organized for Osher to come onto my podcast after his book had been released so we could discuss more of his interesting and intriguing journey. And here we are, finally. I've downloaded the Kindle version and I've listened to Osher's book on Audible. I'm addicted to listening to audiobooks like I am addicted to listening to podcasts. So I highly recommend that you all read or listen to or both read and listen to Osha's book. It's called Back After the Break and it's, yeah, well, it's, uh, it's very, very informative. He goes into a lot of stories from his childhood, from his teenage years and his lifetime in mainstream TV and radio because Osher has hosted some of Australia's most successful TV shows including Channel V Music Channel, Australian Idol and all the Bachelor shows that are on TV at the moment. He's also been the voiceover for Bondi Rescue for many years. He's a big deal in the TV and radio world. But most of you might remember him as Andrew G from his Channel V and Australian Idol days. Yes, he's changed his name. That's how much of a turn in his life he has had with a spiritual journey and to help him move away from some dark and tough times in his past. And the name change, in his belief, was a necessary and powerful process. He admits he was a jerk back in the day and had a huge ego. He also admits he was messed up inside and he regrets the path of destruction he left behind in parts of his life. There's so many interesting aspects of this life, of his life, that he speaks about in his book and in a very entertaining way. And I just didn't want him to, you know, be repeating everything that's in the book, repeating his stories in this interview. Hence why I stuck with the theme that I did, which is mostly about his battles with his mental health and also his perspective of the world from this space and his newfound interest and respect for his brain and his existence as a human being. But let me warn you here, Osher's life journey involves a lot of drugs, a lot of drinking and many battles with his mental health, including a diagnosis of schizophrenia and paranoid delusions, anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD. It's therefore paramount that I highly recommend 
if you're in need of reaching out to professionals, that you do so through Lifeline, who can be reached on 131114. One of the greatest standouts for me in Osher's revealing book was his explanation of his experience with his paranoid delusions, and that was about the world ending because of climate change. And you'll hear him mention in our chat that the world melting from under him was as real as he and I sitting across from the table from each other for this podcast. It blew me away in the book because he recalls in detail how badly it ruled his life to the point he wanted to end his life, often. And this is all in the days when we were watching him on TV as the host of Australian Idol and many other shows previously mentioned and hearing him on the mainstream radio stations. He, he reveals in his book, I didn't chat to him much about it in the podcast, but he reveals in his book how his job, and when he was on screen, that was when he was in his element. That's when his mind was silenced from all the other dramas that it had created. And that's why he did so well. And we couldn't see him as that person on screen that was struggling so badly. In this chat, I talked to Osher about my experience with someone with psychosis in my life and the horrific circumstances that resulted because of this. And I thanked Osher for giving me a new perspective and understanding of this condition. Because for me, the whole reason I was actually in Sydney and able to meet with Osher in person for this interview was because we had another court case for the murder of my grandparents, which happened almost four years ago now. Yeah, the so-called justice system exposes some scary gaps for society when you're dragged through this, I can assure you. But I've mentioned previously on an episode a while ago that I'll be speaking out about this a little bit more in the very near future when I'm legally allowed to. However, my experience with this person is because it was my uncle, my grandparents' own son, who killed them. And he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and had psychotic episodes most of his adult life. And I speak about this with Osha in this episode because for me, that had been the only exposure to psychosis in my life. And when I read his book and heard his recounts of it, I was able to understand this this deep unraveling and to me infathomable space of the human mind just a little bit better you know i'm addicted to understanding human behavior at the deepest level so i can navigate life better and help others enjoy and navigate life better and osha's book and this chat with him has allowed this from an unexpected perspective for me to be honest but it's important for me to say, his book isn't all dark and gloomy. Don't get me wrong. I was also pissing myself laughing in parts of it. <laughs> He's a freaking entertainer and a great storyteller. Just do yourself a favor and read it or listen to it or both. He's a bloody legend and I've only resonated with him because of his podcast and because of his book. And what I mean by that is... I'm not a fan because of his fame on TV and radio. 
<laughs> well, because I don't actually watch TV or listen to radio these days. It's because of his passion to help people gain hope and direction in their lives, especially those who are experiencing mental illness and a world of internal pain and confusion like he did. This was proven when I met with him in person and the chats we had even when not recording. They were a lot about his true passion for helping people and the joy, the true joy, genuine, authentic joy that he gets from the feedback his community gives him. He also thanked me a few times for sharing the acceptance and commitment therapy material with him and he told me in detail how he had implemented it into his life. Again, a great way for me to learn through how other people learn from different approaches and he briefly mentions this in in this episode. Stay tuned for the outro because during the chat, I tell Osha why he has turned me off the idea of writing my own book one day and we joked about it a little but he followed it up with me after we stopped recording and I'll tell you about that in the outro after you've heard our discussion on it. We were limited to an hour for this interview, which was fine because like I previously said, I didn't just want him repeating what he exposes in the book. Entertain yourself through his book and hear some different perspectives in this interview. Like when I challenge him on his beliefs that he stuffed up by choosing lots of party drugs and alcohol even when he knew his neurochemistry was out of whack. Now, before we hear from Osha, the only man that I've ever met who's changed his name, I think, I think he's the only man I've met who's changed his name. Before we hear from him, I want to read a quick iTunes review. And you beauty, we've just cracked 100 five-star reviews on iTunes. So I'm, I'm super proud and extremely grateful for you legends. It means a lot and it helps the show a lot. Now, I know many of you don't have iTunes, so whatever platform you're listening through, the five-star ratings and reviews are encouraged and go a long way. Now, this one is titled, Just Awesome. It says, Hi, Robbo. Mate, Thank you so much for producing such a quality podcast. It is so inspiring and I've gathered tremendous information into my inner mind. I've started using breathing techniques and also started writing what I'm grateful for each day. You have helped me and inspired me to better myself. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Shane. Well, Shane, cheers to you too, buddy. Thank you so much for that feedback. I'm super grateful for you taking that time and I'm extremely grateful that you write what you're grateful for each day because that in itself can play a big part in us tapping into uh, more of our capacity and feeling those helpful hormones rush around the body. So, So thank you, Shane. Actually, mate, don't just write it, feel it. Make sure you feel that gratitude. Same for everyone listening. Don't just say what you're grateful for. Actually make yourself feel it. That's where the real power is. Now, a quick reminder that you, listeners, have also got an opportunity to come and learn from some brilliant minds at the Gold Coast this October at our event. Now, it's with world-renowned performance coach, Nam Baldwin, functional medicine practitioner, Carl Hewen, talking about gut health and the gut-brain connection, mindfulness expert, Amber Hawking, 
Hawken helping us uh, break it all down and create self-mastery through mindfulness and also myself and I'll be teaching uh, some different areas around coherence breathing and emotional intelligence. So it's all to help you optimize your life. Check out all the details at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash events. And of course, one last quick little thing. Come and join us in the private Facebook group where we share some ideas, bonus material, and of course, share some support. Just a friendly little community environment to help us all get the positive aspects from social media. So you'll find that in the group section on Facebook. Just search for Your Life of Impact podcast community. Okay, now we're ready for this deep, intriguing and informative episode with the authentic legend, Osher Ginsberg. So, Osher, on the beginning of all of your podcast episodes, yes. you talk about having a different brain. Yeah. And that's okay. Yep. But I want to know from you, what does that actually mean to you, to have a different brain? Well, it's funny, Robert. Firstly, it's great to be here. I'm grateful we're doing this. Um, I've Since I've written the book, uh, I'm finding that my brain is... Probably not as different as I, you know, it might be different to what people think brains normally are, but one in four Australians lives with complex mental illness. So I have a brain that one in four people have. So it's not really that different. It's, you know, (laughs) um, I have a brain. What's it mean to be a different brain? I have a brain that um, is really quite good at ruminating anxiety. Um, and fixation um, on things. I have learned to try and keep that fixation, trying to keep it on positive things and things that have a positive outcome because my brain just wants to do stuff again and again and again and again because I also have obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, But occasionally, um, in the past, I didn't really have any control over it all there was a lot of negative inf- information that would get into that and it would uh it like throwing sand in a gearbox it was horrible and it just kind of kind of wouldn't stop and it just kind of would kind of tear me apart from the inside um so that's you know kind of what my brain does you know it's it's really good at ruminating anxiety and it's really good at you know just looping around in circles <laughs> and that's what we're going to dive into a lot with this chat and I love that you can have a laugh about it and I've, I've read your book and I've uh, listened to so many of your episodes so oh, I know thanks, where you're man. coming from with that and before we do dive deeper into that I just want to say and you already said that you're grateful to be here yeah, I'm man. extremely grateful to have you on the podcast and Super I want to say grateful. Oshar Ginsberg, welcome to your life of impact oh mate I'm thrilled I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to be here Robert it's, it's great how you know it's, it's, be good. it's good, good to do this thanks for reading the book mate um, I'm grateful that you did that it's uh yeah it's 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 just trying to tell trying to have a conversation um a, a normally framed conversation about stuff that we are otherwise kind of scared to talk about you know just like in the same way that you would speak to an athlete and it's we've heard a squillion times like an athlete at the height of their prime will then she'll talk about how she blew her MCL and she's had four surgeries and, you know, it's debilitating and, you know, she tried to come back, she couldn't, she tried to come back, she couldn't, she came back, she triumphed, you know. it's We have no problem speaking about a physical, a physical issue that can 
you know, completely sideline someone's life path, all right? Yet if we talk about something that's unseen, it's weird, you know? So I'm just trying to frame it in a fairly normal matter of fact. Oh, yeah, and by the way, then this thing started happening. Oh, yeah, and by the way, and then I thought it was a really good idea to end everything, you know, and I'm sure you'll do a trigger warning at the start and Absolutely. give out the lifeline number and stuff because it's important to talk about. So that's basically what I'm trying to do, Robert, is just trying to have have a more normally framed conversation about this kind of stuff so it becomes a little more normal to hear, you know, you know, oh, yeah, I feel a bit more normal when I hear those kind of conversations so that when you do have those kind of conversations, it's not so weird and you can be receptive to whoever's talking to you or it's also easier to start these things because not talking about it, the time for not talking about it is past. It's not okay. Um, you know, we, we'll lose eight people today, Robert, between now and when you go to bed tonight, eight people in Australia will lose to suicide. You know, and if, and I, I say, you know, it's all the time. If If they were... I don't know, say for example, eight people in the last week, say eight people died every day in a domestic airline crash, we would stop flight. Airports would be shut. Fuck no, stopping everything. 56 people have died in the last week. That's it. It's not happening. Nobody's flying anywhere until we figure it out. But we don't mind for some reason. That's not okay. As a society, we can't accept it. It's not okay for us to accept this as, as as okay, but it's not just those eight people. It's that's multiplied by tenfold when you consider their family, friends, colleagues. You know, it's it's extraordinary debilitating thing in our community. Um, and I just wanted to share my perspective, Robert, because when I was really sick, and also uh, before that, and through sobriety, it was when I was getting sober. Um, it was in hearing other people tell their story. That made me feel less alone, and like I said earlier, so I don't really have that much of a different brain. I have the thing that everybody has, um, and uh, um, that made me feel less alone. And also, I saw that person was doing well; they were further along the path than me. It's like, okay, so that person's there's healing, even though my brain's telling me it's never going to be different. It looks like it can be. So, all right, brain, I appreciate that you're trying to tell me that it's never going to change. Clearly, it can. I appreciate that's a very loud, strong message you're trying to tell me that it's never getting any better. Get it, get it. You're never going to get any better, but it it looks like it can and it might and it will. So um, that's why I'm trying to kind of have this conversation. It's it's actually real interesting, you know. I I doing this uh, writers festival circuit at the moment, and um, I ran into it and I was, I've been we've been chatting online. And I'm just thrilled to finally meet the man. He's an amazing human being by the name of Joe Williams. It, it, amazing, wrote a great book called The Enemy Within about his struggles with mental illness and. Um, you couldn't picture two men with different backgrounds, different upbringings. He's a proud Wadidgeri man. Um, he's, you know, you know, First Nation Australian, uh, you know, grew up, Artie Beetson's his mentor, you know, has an incredible career in the NRL, then retired from the NRL, went into, you know, boxing, you know. We couldn't have had different, more different lives, right? Yet, when faced with a similar mental illness we had nearly identical reactions to what we were faced with and it made me think about is this just like a sneeze like is it a thing that humans do like this is how we react to this particular set of stresses and circumstances so we're not really that alone man that's a long answer to your question (laughs) <laughs> well, like I said, I've, I've read your book. I actually listened to it and uh, listened right. to a lot of your podcasts. So I'm happy to let you chat away. But that was recorded 100 meters from here. 
the from, audio from, book. Yeah, yeah, from where we're sitting. It was recorded 100 metres from I here. I like that Audrey dipped in for some of it as well. It yeah. Was, and you uh, went off chart a little bit and threw a few little jokes in oh, there. Yeah, it was she, entertaining. She produced it, which is really good. She basically sat there and went, nah, you sound like a sycophant. Nah, look, you're saying something really emotional. Sound emotional. So, okay, honey. <laughs> no, she's really good. So, let's go back to that different brain aspect, even though you've realized now that it's pretty similar to a lot of mm. people's, but... You have learned a lot about your brain over time. And what I found really interesting in your book was when you talked about when you were early teenage days, I can't remember exactly how old you were, but you you had grown, you'd put on a lot of weight and you'd grown breasts. And the bullying was that horrific that you, your mum, you asked and begged your, your mum, she took you to a plastic surgeon and you got your breasts removed. And they sort of said at that stage that it was a chemical and a hormonal imbalance that was going on. So I want to know from you, how do you feel? So that's not the most interesting part of that story to me. To me, I think, okay, so if that was happening to you and your body back then from a hormonal imbalance, do you feel that that could have potentially been addressed back in those earlier days of your life, but then moving through and what you're very open about in the book is that you, you you got into drugs a lot and you drank a lot of alcohol and your addiction's there. Do you feel like you kind of threw yourself under a bus a bit and just created even more challenges for oh, you? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Look, the, the what you're talking about is uh, it's a it's a condition called gynecomastia. It affects like quite a lot of guys, but not. I I was a particularly pronounced case, and um, what was worse because I was so fat. You know, they were about the size of a like a like a halfway between a golf ball and a racquetball. Like, that was how big they were. And it was really painful. Um, and, yeah, it was horrid. <laughs> painful to have them? Or yeah, no, it them really removed? hurt. It really, really okay. hurt. Really, really, really hurt. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, you know, so it's it's not that. It's it's not that uncommon. Um, I don't know, it's probably one in 10, one in 20 guys. And you generally grow out of it by the time you're 18. But I, there's no way I, could, I couldn't go to school, man. Um, as far as, you know, me and substances, yeah, I probably didn't do myself many favors by, <laughs> um, by using alcohol as a way to try and manage um, the anxiety. And... Uh, you know, as far as drugs are concerned, look, man, everything's a great idea after a six-pack or a quarter bottle of Grey Goose. <laughs> you start your night, you're not thinking, oh, I'll just have a couple of drinks and then before you know it, yeah, sure, let's go. <laughs> you know, very quickly, very early on in the evening, things that weren't a great idea become a great idea. Um, but yeah, so I didn't do my brain any favours at all by uh, throwing all that stuff on top of things. But Robert, alcohol is a widely available socially acceptable generally tolerated you know sedative that a lot of people use to control you know a wide variety of of you know mental illnesses um no one you know everyone no one seems to blink too much you know it's 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 there and and oh, i've had a shit of a day god i need a drink yeah you deserve it have one there you go have two. Oh my god it's wine o'clock all the kids blah, blah, blah. You know, if you can't regulate your own emotion, here's this thing you put in your body to regulate that emotion. Um, For me, though, um, the amount that I needed to get to a point where I felt anywhere near normal um, 
or able to communicate with people just became completely unsustainable and it was getting dangerous uh, so i had to give it away but i you know i do i do find that you know we it's a sedative it's a drug and it's it kills more people than you know anything it's a lot it's a dangerous drug um some people can you know my wife for example she can have a couple and that's fine and she hasn't got bit by the bug but me if i have you know just a sip um it sets off an allergic reaction in me that i am now unable to control my ability to to decide whether or not to have another one um and for a long time like I've only just started, what am I, eight and a half years now, I've only just started to be able to tolerate kombucha because of that fermented yeah, taste right. in kombucha. Yeah. That's enough to make my head go, and it freaks me right out. It freaks me right out. Um, yeah. So on that, like you said, it is very tolerated in our country and in our, in our culture, but in terms of what, what's your advice then to people who are in that phase at the moment yeah. of drinking or the drug aspect too because yeah. you know it can be fun at the time and i read listen to your book and i can just picture you and you were you know the fame and the uh the partying and everything like that and yeah. it sort of came with it all and your choice to do it more often than not and even on your days off and even on your own yep. but what about for people who are might not have had that chemical imbalance and mm. that hormonal imbalance like you did and you're already challenged from a mental perspective but I guess what I'm getting at is that I believe part of the game of life is to understand and respect our neurochemistry and our brain chemistry. Yeah. And there's ways that we can stimulate the help, what I call the helpful hormones uh -huh. and decrease the, the amount of the stressful and the unhelpful hormones. Yeah. And there's natural ways that we can do that. And when I see and I hear stories of you uh, and your past and I see it and I've had been in those circles where people abuse drugs and alcohol, yeah. in my mind I'm like, yeah. We're messing with the one of the main rules of life. Yeah. Well, I agree. Look, mate, I, I, abs I absolutely agree. I guess if you, if you can't remember the last time that you said to yourself, yeah, you know what, um, I'm not going to have that. I'm only going to have one. I'm only going to have two. And you actually only had one or two. If you can't remember the last time that happened, you may want to you know, have a look at it. You know, if you go, oh, I'm not going to have a big night and then you start drinking and then you, it, it always ends up bigger then. Or if you no longer have a choice, if it's no longer your choice as to how big a night you're going to have, if once you start, it just, things get out of control, um, uh, you know, have a look at it. Um, you know, the, the, it's, it's progressive as far as alcoholism goes. It's a progressive illness. Like it gets... It gets worse over time. There's, you can't stop it once it starts. It's on. Um, at first, it's a lot of fun. And then it's fun when you go out, it's fun. And then when you go out, it's fun. And then there's some problems. And then when you go out, it's a little bit of fun and a whole lot of problems. And then when you go out, it's just problems. You know, and it just gets worse. And um, we've all been there. And um, yeah, if you can't... Because what, what's wild about, particularly about drinking, is that it affects your hippocampus, which is how you're creating memories right and so that's why people do the same shit well certainly i just kept doing the same shit every time um because you can't your brain doesn't form the the connection between this behavior leads to that problem you know you, f you forget that that happens now normally like you touch the hot plate once and that's it you don't touch the hot plate again but when you've been drinking or certainly in my case you forget that oh no no that's right bad stuff happens when i 
when I drink this much. And so you do it again. Um, and then you get a thing called hedonic recall, which is when you only remember, oh, yeah, that's right. Those cold beers while the sun was setting, everything was great. Oh, man, I remember that time, that trip to Strati was amazing. You don't remember three hours later when you were vomiting through your nose and someone was shouting and something was broken and, you know, you hurt someone's feeling or you disrespected someone. You know, you don't, you don't remember that part, um, which is, you know, dangerous and as far as you know stimulating the the good hormones in your body yeah i'm i was five minutes late this morning because i was out stimulating the good hormones in my body on my bicycle this morning (laughs) really and that's what i mean there's ways you know exercise is one there's certain breathing techniques human connection love all these things so important it's so important it's free that's the other thing yeah i mean i've had to buy a bicycle but still (laughs) you can you can do squats and push-ups and you know, do this, you know, do a couple of burpees and you can, uh, you know, 20 minutes in and you can get some of that norepinephrine through your bloodstream and it'll make you feel damn right. And see, the thing back to what I was talking about too is that advice for people because people are in those phases and it might be that fun phase and then they mm. might get over it and they might not have a lot of the reactions and things yep. like that like you went through. But then... I think about later in life for people like they're setting themselves up for massive challenges when you look at it at a neurochemistry level and yeah. it's going to take its toll somewhere in relationships or in a chemical and a, and a hormonal imbalance. Yeah. And in your book, you talk about like, I feel like I'm very lucky to be sitting here chatting to Osher Ginsburg as you are today, because some of the psychosis that you experienced and those grandeur delusions pretty full on. Oh yeah. It was terrifying. And I don't recommend it. I don't. I don't recommend paranoid delusions at all, because as much as you want, as much as you want to rationalise against the horror and the fear that's overwhelming you, as long as much as you want to see this clearly can't be right, your brain can't accept it, and so you have this extraordinary pain because you're getting all these signals that this fear that your brain is imagining is 100% real, but you know it isn't. And so you've got this schism between these kind of two parts of your brain. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's really not, it's not good at all. I, I, um, I, uh, I ignored a lot of red flags on the way to that. A lot of red flags. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite lucky. My, uh, my mentor, um, he said to me, he said, the problem with crazy people is they don't know they're crazy. I was very lucky that I knew something was wrong because it, it appears as reality, Robbo. It appears as, you know, as you're sitting across this beautiful table from me, it appears that real. And, you you know, if you didn't know to question it, you wouldn't. You'd be like, no, 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 this is, this is happening and I'm the only one that knows. Everyone else is, they're going to die because they don't understand. Um, and that's where, you know, you... you wasn't me thankfully because i knew something was wrong um but that's where you get you know people standing on street corners and stuff shouting and 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 trying to warn people and all that kind of stuff and wanting to run up and i always all i wanted to do was to run up and grab people and shake people and warn them and and grab them and run run with them and oh man i was so scared (laughs) but but at the same time i knew that i knew that something was up i knew that this is not a because it's like, you know, when you're in, on a plane and there's turbulence, all right, and the turbulence gets really heavy and they're like, you actually have to hold your drink off the tray so it doesn't spill. And you hear people, you hear some noises around the cabin. But then you look at the airline staff and they're just, oh, yeah, so anyway, when we land, I think I'm going to go to that burger joint. Yeah, it's pretty good. They're just chatting like, well, they're not worried. So, 
clearly this isn't a threat. They're just cool. They're cool with it. All right. So it was similar to that. You know, I was experiencing this unbelievable fear, but no one else was worried. And I was grateful that I was able to see that. But still, it was extraordinarily painful to know that I was falling down this rabbit hole. I mean, it's like any time you get any kind of diagnosis of a health of a health variety that you don't want, whether it be uh, like when I when I got my when I found out that I've got um, ephemeral acetabular impingement in both oh, my hips. Oh, the good FAI. Yeah, I've got that in both hips and osteoarthritis. And so the bloke just basically sat across from me with a scanner and he goes, yeah, you'll never run again. And I felt like the world dropped out from under me because I defined myself as a runner for so long. I define my, and I write about it in the book, you know, like I kept a level of like I, every morning I would run 10Ks. That's just the level of fitness that I have. And I would run half a marathon on the weekend just for fun. That's where I was and I loved it. I loved it and I defined myself as a runner and then I couldn't do it and now I can't do it anymore. All right, so in the same way, you know, you know, you know and he looked at me as like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not okay because this, you know, that's such a part of who I am, that kind of ability to have that physical ability that I run every day. And, you know, run through the woods, trail running through mountains. I loved it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's hard to hear that. And so in the same way, you don't, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear, you don't want to feel that you're, you're slipping off the edge of this thing and you're now into this kind of world that, you know, not a lot of people know a lot about. And if anybody does know anything about it, they've learned it from movies and television and comic books and that isn't real. That's the other thing because we hear about psychosis and we think, well, the only person I know with that is, I don't know, the Joker from Batman or, or someone on a Netflix show that I saw, <laughs> you know, that's not it. There's people walking around every day. All right, there's people that you work with that are managing it that you would have no idea that you know are on medication and are doing just fine. Um, well, know, that part managing of the, symptoms. That part of the book really shook me up, yeah. and I want to share something with you that my only experience with psychosis and people with grandeur delusions uh, was actually ended in the death of my grandparents. Yeah, that's horrible. I remember we talked about that on your on when you were on my show, and that was so. It was my uncle that was diagnosed with um, paranoid schizophrenia. Oh, it's terrible, man. And um, and so I sat there in court watching the the psychiatrist talk about uh, the reason why that diagnosis comes about is because if people have a lifetime of grandeur delusions, and that was my first exposure to that language, even and understanding right. that psychosis, and then it made sense because he he had a lot of grandeur delusions his whole life, and thought it was reality. Thought he was dating Penelope Cruz, like crazy. Things oh like right, so he was that. Yeah, oh, right. that was so, that wasn't me, but that's no, that's no, but really. Then, but when you talk, as about far as he's concerned, it was happening. Grandeur delusions, yeah, and I thought, shit, I've never heard anyone talk about it. Yeah, so it was. I just wanted to thank you for giving me a different perspective of it because, and like what you just said there, that a lot of people are dealing with it. Yeah. It's like that to me was a real eye opener. That's, yeah, that's, and it it can be, it's, again, you know, and I think about, I think about you a lot when I think about that kind of thing, Robert, because it is, it's so misunderstood and because it's so misunderstood and it's so frightening, a lot of people don't, you don't want to be treated for it. You know, and I didn't. I, I even I did the classic trick of the mentally ill. Of like, you're experiencing these, you know, episodes, and you know, here's a drug. It's an antipsychotic. So I'm thinking, hang on, if it's an antipsychotic, means I'm having psychosis. And he said, and he said, only take on, take the drug on the days you need it. So if I don't 
take it. I don't need it. Excellent. I'm very smart. But that's what happens because you, you, nobody wants it. And you don't want to have to take the drug for it. So you kind of brain, your brain goes, well, if I don't take the drug, I don't have it. Da, da, da. No, you don't. So you don't, want to, you don't want to take the drugs, you know, because you don't want to have this thing that you're so afraid of. All that happens is it gets worse and you end up needing bigger dosages to bring it back under control. So yeah, um yeah, it's 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 really it's 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 really tough and 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 a big part of this is, you know, just making it more okay for people to want to pursue treatment and understand that treatment's available and you can you can get better. And and like it's it's so sad that, that you know what happened to your family. Um but you know, it can happen on much smaller levels, you know, when you know people who get divorced and they move out and then they just keep coming home hey honey no honey we got we don't you don't live here anymore you know or people get fired and they keep showing up to work it's like no no mate you don't this isn't you don't work here anymore we fired you you know but the brain doesn't want to accept that you know and so it just kind of reinterprets reality and uh you know there's obviously it's that's a scale that can lead all the way to you know the, the horrible tragedy that happened to your family um but you know it can also manifest as that and manifest as you know people you know stalking and, and weird things like that because they believe that they're actually you know dating this person that they see on television or hear on the radio or whatever and it's not real um but there is treatment available and it's very good treatment and it works um, in my experience and it's okay to seek it because life's too short to, you know, but it's, it's really hard, man. It's really hard because as far as you're concerned, it's real. Why would I accept this drug from you that you're trying to tell me that this, you know, I'm dating this person or, you know, I've got this great job. Why would I want to take this drug that makes all that go away? It's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to pretend to understand and imagine to know what it's like. But it, like, I just wanted to bring that up to to for your experience to know that that's the way a lot of people look at it. And credit to you for bringing light to it for all of us who do read your book and listen to your podcast and understand a different perspective of that. It's as, it was as it was as real as as you and I sitting here. Yeah, and that's crazy. I can't even like I said. I can't. Yeah, it actually is crazy, it. and that's the thing. People use these words. That's crazy. That's insane. Mm. It's like well. It actually is, and there's in my experience, it was extraordinary pain recognizing that was happening. It's like fuck, this isn't here, or this isn't happening right now. I'm seeing something that's not there. Shit, yeah. <laughs> I was so afraid of it. You know, it was it was really frightening, was and really- hence why I said that I feel like I'm lucky to be sitting here across <laughs> from this version of Osher, Osher Ginsburg well, right it was, now. Well, it was very it was very painful. Yeah. I was really lucky that I had great people, you know, but I, it was almost like I had all the training because um, I'd blissfully and gratefully gotten sober before all this went down, about four years before it all went down. So I had all this skill set of questioning the automatic thoughts, checking in with people. If I feel out of control, call someone, you know, go outside, get, get to, you know, go and get around people go and check in, you know, immerse myself in a fellowship of people, you know. And so I had this skill set that I fell back on and used. Um, and that's 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 what kind of got me through by the very skin of my teeth, but it got me through. Yeah. Which is really powerful. And you cover that a lot in the book and I highly recommend everyone that they get that. <laughs> now, speaking of books, yeah. in recent times in my life, I've thought maybe I'll write a book one day. It might be five or ten years' time. And then I read your book and I'm like, holy shit, 
you expose a lot of things, not just about the drugs and alcohol and your psychosis, <laughs> but things from like hiding stiffies on the beach yeah. to um, confusing sex- sexual experiences in the pool to relationship issues and things like that. And I thought, right, if this is what it means to read a book, I might just stick to the podcasting platform. <laughs> you know, I'm a little bit vulnerable on there and I'm happy to open up about things. But so I, I thought that and then I thought, no wonder... You were a bit nervous because he said in the lead up to your book, I'm a bit nervous you know, about this book yeah. release. And I thought, maybe he's just nervous because it wonders if it's going to do well. And then I read it and thought, now I know why he was nervous. But here's what, here's what also went through my mind. So I read that or listened to it. And I thought, you know, my metacognition steps in and I become really aware of my awareness. And I sort of read between the lines and I'm thinking, no, you've done a lot of therapy in your days. And I thought, is this a way of therapy? Like, has he learned that sharing and reframing and accepting everything that's happened in life and getting it out there and sort of getting the weight off your shoulders, so to say, and you don't feel like you're hiding anything? Is that a way that has been encouraged that you've learned through therapy? And was the book essentially kind of like therapy for you to just get it out there? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. And I was just talking about this with my wife, Audrey, the other day. I... Um I I know that everything, as I said before, I felt I was the only person going through what I was going through when I was trying to get sober and I felt I was the only person going through what I was going through when I went crazy. When I heard other people share their stories and like, oh, hang on, that's, wow, that sounds like me. But you're a 64-year-old, five-foot-two woman from Texas. We couldn't have more different backgrounds yet you're describing exactly my experience of life. Oh, okay, but you're better. Right, so clearly there's some, okay, all right, so I've got enough of a common experience to know that whatever you went through, I've been through as well, but you seem to figure out that you know there's some steps you take from here to get to the, where you are, which is a healthier place. All right, okay, so there's a way out of this. Same way with um, when I went kind of bonkers, I heard other people talking. I was like, okay, there is a way out. And it was in... A way out as in, because you've talked about a way out in different times. Oh, yeah. About taking no, a, life, a way to healing. A, Sorry, a way to a way healing. healing. Yeah. And it was in in sobriety, I learned how powerful it was to hear another person's story for me. All right? And when... I was called upon to share my story in sobriety. I, you know, would some days I'd feel a bit shy and I would, you know, just say the bare facts and some days I would go, no, here it is, full authenticity. And after that, people come up and go, man, I really needed to hear that today. Thank you. No one's, thank you. I appreciate that. And, I, you know, I was the same thing. If I heard someone, I would always go up to them after and say, oh, God, I needed that. Man, that gave me the key for getting through today. Thank you, thank you. And so I was just saying to Audrey the other night, it was like in doing that, that kind of set up as to why I wanted to write it because it, it wasn't a f- form of therapy or it wasn't a form of I'm going to write this book and everything's going to be okay. It was like how can I do the same thing that I know helped me and I know that when I shared helped other people, how can I do that on a bigger scale? So that's why I wrote it. And that's actually why I believe that we're sitting here chatting too, because I I knew Andrew G. So did I, we meet? 
No, no, no. Oh, we didn't okay. make, no. But I, I have to that- ask because I used to drink and when people say, oh, I knew you, it was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't remember. But I, I felt like I knew you through Channel V days and oh, seeing right. the big day outs and things like that. So I knew the Andrew G aspect and I know, uh, you know, Australian Idol, Andrew G yeah. and, and that life and then reading your book and, you know, there's a lot of your life and in, in the limelight and that fame aspect and in similar ways to where I get professional athletes and coaches onto this podcast and we don't really talk about their sport like yeah it's not and no offense to you but that's, that's right. not the life that i'm interested in okay. to hear from you and then when i discovered your podcast through our mutual connection of rach nalen the legend that connected us in the first place and then reading your book and i thought you know this is and this connection now you realize you know i'm Brett Robbo from Cobar, like a country kid, and here's Osher Ginsberg or Andrew G from the TV. But it's to hear you say that it makes complete sense to me. I understand your podcast and I right. understand the book being out there because you are changing and potentially saving people's lives. And I know for a fact that I'm in your Facebook group and I oh, see yeah. the things that people share in there. In yeah, your it's podcast profound, Facebook. isn't it? It's profound. Yeah. I've had people from your community come across and do my mental strength training. Oh, programs. great news. And I met one of those people yeah. just recently. Oh, cool. And he said, Osha changed my perspective of my depression. All oh, right. He taught me how to speak out. And since then, and he just went on and he it's changed my relationships with my kids. I'm openly oh, about it great. now. Like life has changed. And I just think, boom, there it is right there. That's such great news. I've got goosebumps. Well, that's, that's why, Robert. That's why. That's why. Publishing in Australia is not a money-making exhibition. Just say, so, unless you're Scott Pape, you know, unless you're the Bayfoot investor bloke. You, know, <laughs> you don't make money, you, you know, as far as I can tell. You don't make money selling books because it's a very small market. No, it's about how can I just basically give what was given to me and give it back in a, in a, in a bigger way. That's, you know, that's basically it. That's, and, and because life's too short to wake up every day gritting your teeth. Life's too short to wake up every day you know, um, not feeling out of control. There's so many things that we can control. Even even when I was on, you know, four different kinds of drugs, two of them antipsychotics. I was two different kinds of antipsychotics at one point. Far out. Because uh, one wasn't enough. <laughs> and, um, you know, even when I was on all those drugs, there's things that you can do every day to at least make you feel like you have some control over what's going on. You know, you can you can control the kind of food you're eating. You control the people that you're spending time with. You can control the the, the attitude that you take to work, or the you know the way you, you spend time around people. You can control, hopefully, how much sleep you're getting. You can control how much exercise you're getting. You you know all these things you can have control over, and just taking control over those aspects of your life, and habitually. So they've got it's got to be habitual. Um, can make you feel so much more okay about all right i'm going through this process of trying to get better but at least i can take care of this 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 and this i was actually going to ask you about coping strategies and you mentioned there before about getting uh, good people around you and yeah. accountability groups and you talk about that a lot yeah. in your um, book and your beautiful wife audrey and her daughter georgia have obviously been a big part of you getting through everything as yeah. well and having that support and coping strategies there is the things that you've mentioned and we talked about it before and they're free, like the sleep that you get and yeah. the people you surround yourself with and exercise and things like that. But what about other coping strategies? Because you, I know that cognitive behavioral therapy has been a big part of your therapy and then you and I, I shared some of the acceptance and commitment yeah. therapy and I know that you look into that a lot. Yeah. 
and you have a reframing sort of method like what i call a mindset shift that you use in the book and you know even just changing the terminology to of course yeah yeah simple things like that what are some other things like that that really work well that's a and honestly i got to you know I, I didn't really explore act until we spoke and it was after speaking with you that I, that was that was really profound because as much as cbt is good cbt doesn't really didn't give me room for emotion you know it's like it's okay to feel shit about this thing that's a normal thing to feel but it does it's not the totality of my my existence it's one thing you know so gratitude's a big one we've spoken about this but gratitude's a very very big one so i don't know what's something you know you might you might have fallen from your bike and you've got a you know you've opened your arm up and you've got this big gravel rash down your forearm all right so that's waking you up and you go oh shit i've you know got this i can't train today that sucks you know but i can't train today but I've got clean water that comes out of my tap. Okay, so now I've got two things. One of them's a negative, one's a positive. Can't train today, clean water that comes out of tap, food in my fridge. Okay, now I've got three things. One's a negative, two are positive. We're starting to shift the balance. You line 20 things up there, all right? Can't train today is becomes very, very small. Very, very small. And when you start, you know, just kind of just reminding your brain, look at all these things, look at all these other things, look at the people around us, look at the, you know, you know shoes on our feet, the roof over our head. You know, it, and that, you know, it's a form of that expansion technique that um, Russ talks about. Um, but yeah, gratitude's a big one. Uh, I, I try to write 20 things every day that I'm grateful for. I try to write in the mornings. Um, I try to write, just empty the brain out a bit. The fears uh, sometimes swing around in my head and I don't really have an ability to put a name on them. And so writing that stuff down helps me go, oh yeah, it's mostly unfinished stuff. It's mostly things I need to get to. That's basically the stuff that wakes me up early in the morning. Um, I every day, I know I'm supposed to have rest and recovery days, but um, every day, pretty much swings and get ups. Every day, every, kettlebell kettlebell swings. swings and get ups, man. Okay. One arm, one arm kettlebell swings and 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 get ups. Just ten aside, uh, so fifty aside, so five sets of ten on each, and then five get ups aside and that's it you don't have 15 minutes and that for me that kind of squirts all the stuff into my head and that you know if if even if i can't do that i just do squats while the coffee machine's warming up coffee machine takes about two minutes to warm up get about 25 squats in um yeah Movement is medicine yeah mate it's good it's, it's really it's really it's been good. more than medicine for you actually because you've had a massive transformation and you're on the front of a lot of magazines oh yeah that's that's your, wild isn't it yeah your body transformation yeah cover of men's health magazine look out um <laughs> what's another coping strategy um i i definitely check in with my wife a lot i think it's super important to be um you know really authentic there and just and she has learned that when i say oh i'm having a tricky day She's so incredible because she sees me and the part of me that's having a tricky day is two different things. And that's extraordinary. And she goes, okay, well, I'm here for you and that thing will pass. And that's really, but it's really important because even in speaking that to her, it minimizes it and makes it dissipate a bit. Um, Yeah, it's also really good to connect with people. I try and, you know, hearing people's voices is important. Um, So while texting is great, phone calls are good phone calls are good make a phone call talk to someone it's pretty good you have this thing in your hand you may as well use it <laughs> it does it does make phone calls it doesn't just take photos and send texts and twitters and things like that um 
and yeah, just trying to make sure that sleep is, you know, as much as I try, it's hard, but yeah, sleep's what's important. A, what's a normal night's sleep for you? Uh, at the moment, there's a lot of stuff going on with the book. So anywhere between six and a half and seven and a half hours at the moment, I know it needs to get higher above eight, but that's pretty much where it is at the moment. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, where is Osher Ginsberg heading? Because... Like we said, I've seen you in your former days and I know music's yeah. a big part of it. I see you – so I don't see you on The Bachelor because I don't watch TV. That's but okay. I know that that's a part of it. And But reading your book and like I said before, sorry, listening to your book, you're an entertainer. You jump in and you say some funny <laughs> stuff and I read – I was pissing myself laughing oh, in parts of your book. Oh, good. Parts of it scared me like we spoke about before and parts of it I'm pissing myself laughing and I know that you're in, you played in bands and everything like that and I see you doing a few things. So where are you going with it? What's your visions? What's your big audacious goals? Are you moving into the entertainment industry? Because I'm ready for it. I think Australia is ready for it. Well, (laughs) I really feel like writing this book is, this is setting the foundation for where the real work can begin. And not to say that I haven't been doing real work to this point, I love my job. I love my jobs. I, I, I'm on three primetime TV shows a year, which is a very long way from being uh, unemployed and crazy on the other side of the world paying rent out of my savings, which I was six years ago. Um, uh, I find a lot of, you know, just extraordinary joy in what you described earlier. Um, with the person that we were talking about and the, you know, every time I look at my phone, there's another DM or an email from someone who's saying a very similar thing. That brings me extraordinary joy, all right, um, and and great fulfilment and great satisfaction and, and just I just want to do more of that. <laughs> so if I can do that through, um, we put together a live show, which was a lot of fun, Um which is basically a mix between we've gone with the uh, the stories and songs format, so <laughs> just telling some stories and singing some songs because there's some stuff in the book that's a bit squishy and it's a bit easy to sing it because I'm a terrible actor, so I don't know if I could really do it justice by standing on stage and speaking it. Uh, so we wrote some songs and um, so we sing some songs about that stuff, and um, you know I don't know maybe that maybe that's the next thing. Maybe that's the next thing. I'm starting to be a wedding celebrant because I want to uh, be a part of helping people, you know, come together and, you know, be together. So I'm looking towards Well, my fiancé and I are getting married in November next year. So oh, hopefully I'll be ready by then. <laughs> I've got till December to, I've got till December to, to hand my assignment in. So I've got to, got to make that happen. So, uh, yeah, I mean that, the look, just trying to be, what's the big old goal? It's just trying to be as as helpful as I can to as many people as I can, you know, and, and part of that is my job. You know, I met this beautiful couple, um, these two glorious women I met at the Brisbane Writers Festival. They met watching The Bachelor. One got invited around to the other, someone else's house. It was, I get sent so many pictures, Robbo, of uh, five people sitting on a couch built for three just to watch, watch the show. The yeah, Beautiful. shit for our numbers because there's four televisions, <laughs> there's four TVs that aren't turned on, you know. We're, we're, we're trying to get as many boxes on as possible but I don't care because there's people together and these two people, they met and they, they came together watching this thing and like even that makes me so happy to be able to be involved in something that gives people to, to communicate and con- congregate around. Um, that brings me enormous joy. So yeah, I just want to 
try and help as many people as I can. You know, if I get to wear a nice suit while I do it, that's nice. <laughs> well, you're, you're doing it in a big way and that's brilliant. So, um, I'm, I'm going to talk to you after we stop recording about uh, your hips because my fiance was diagnosed with double FAI oh, in yeah? both hips and was booked in for surgery and they had to delay the surgery, went to America and we found some therapists there and did manual therapy and rever- completely reversed it. She really? She was doing PBs in her event from that and never got the surgery. Dude, I've been, I've been to three separate orthopedic surgeons. I even flew down to Hobart to see the super rock star. Okay. Like, there's a bloke down in Hobart who's like the guy. He's the AFL guy. He's he's you he's like you've been to orthopedic surgeons like this, and people listening will know. You're like you walk into your regular guy. You're like, yeah, I don't know about this. You walk into the next one. It's just like wallabies jerseys everywhere. Like, oh, I'm in the right spot. This cat had like you name it. He had him. He had the jerseys signed by everyone all over his walls. Sales captains his own boat from in Sydney to Hobart. You know, races Targa rallies on the weekends. He's total fucking rock star. Same age as me. I'm like, Jesus, what were you doing while I was drinking? Studying probably. <laughs> um, but even he went and goes, nah, you're toast, mate. Come and see me in a few years for a, re- a replacement. That's all right. I can do so for you. So if you've been that high, then maybe I can't help you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was my thing. Have you had a second opinion? You've been beyond the I've, second I've opinion. I've a third opinion, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you've uh, we're going to wrap things up, but where can people find you online? And another part of that question, how can we help you on your journey? Oh, look, it's super easy. You just, you know, osherginsberg.com. I think I'm most active on Instagram lately. That's kind of it. There's a Facebook group for people who enjoy the podcast you just go find the podcast there's i think as of recording this there's 251 episodes um so there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot to choose from and there's a book you know get a book give it to read it give it to someone else when you finish with it reading it that's that's about it you can get through it in a weekend it's written like that probably take you about i don't know 10 hours to read tops Oh, I fully enjoyed listening to it. I'm going to link all that up in the show notes oh, and thanks, even man. the Facebook group. It's worth it for everyone. Now, before we wrap up, one of my top core values is giving. Yeah. And I give all my guests a gift for coming onto the podcast. And I'm giving you the gift of some vegan, healthy vegan snacks because oh. I know you're a vegan. Yeah. And uh, I've got, I'm getting enough for Georgia and for Audrey as well. So wow. you guys can share them from a company called Superfoodio. They're just about to launch in Australia. They've been right. going gangbusters in the UK. And uh, so I'm good friends with them. And George Gregan's hooked them up to get them connected here to, wow. to get them released. And unfortunately, because they actually haven't been released, they haven't even come off the production line. Sorry, so you mate. will be receiving them. I look forward to it. That's great. <laughs> there's some healthy. So to thank you for giving your time and value to my community <sighs> or giving you I'm that I'm just grateful gift. to be here, man. I don't need stuff. Um, but thank you. But I'm just grateful to be here. Well, Robert. then you'll be grateful when you're eating those <laughs> snacks as well, and I know it. I will be. <laughs> All right. Now, quickly before we finish off, the fast five questions. Yeah, go. Let them roll off the tongue. Don't even need to think about it. Hit me. What's one habit you wish you could change? Uh, eating too much. What makes you feel absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energized? Uh, successfully comple- completing a 32-kilo Turkish get-up without dropping it on my head. <laughs> Have you ever washed a dog? Oh, yeah. I've washed Frankie not as often. Audrey washes him more. But yeah, <laughs> we wash Frankie. You'd yeah. be surprised how many people haven't washed a dog, actually. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? It was from my father. It was translated from Czech into English and it roughly goes, on your way up the ladder, make friends with the steps because you'll need them when you come back down. Brilliant. And what are you most grateful for in your life right now? My wife. Osha, you're a legend. You're an inspiring human, humble human. 
that is kind of lucky to be alive. Yes. And you're now saving and changing people's lives along your journey. <laughs> Keep shining your brutally honest and impactful light to the world, my man. Thank you, Robo. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for coming down. Pleasure. Thank you. Whoa. There he is, legends. Don't forget to make friends with those steps on the ladder on the way up. I know this is something that Osher Ginsberg does very well. Maybe not the Andrew G version. I think he has a few steps of the ladder missing that he might have damaged on his way up. But Osher Ginsberg certainly sticks by this. This chat and this man's life has helped me understand human behavior from many new perspectives. And I'm extremely and eternally grateful that Osher has the balls and the ability to share his journey and has tapped into his purpose of helping other people along the way. To me, he's proof that we can change the trajectory of our lives, even if a lot of the shit was caused from poor decisions on our own, if we take the responsibility and if we reach out for help and guidance to learn, grow and develop. After we recorded, Osher spoke to me about writing a book and he said, Robbo, don't feel like you have to write a memoir and share everything like I did. I exposed everything because I wanted people to understand what it was like to live with mental illness and also a different brain even when I was younger. He said, don't feel like you need to expose every little area of your life. Just understand that you have a lot of value to offer and sharing parts of your journey can significantly empower people. And I definitely took that on board from Osha. And to be honest, to write a book is not something I'm looking to do anytime soon. It is something that I thought maybe in 10 years time. But I feel like there's a lot more of life that I need to live before I have enough value to compile into a book. So make sure you check out Osha's podcast, The Osha Ginsberg Show, and follow him on Instagram at Osha underscore Ginsberg. Thanks again, legends, and please share this podcast with anyone you know would gain value from it. There's a ton of it in here. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.